Deep down at the bottom of the ocean, there sits an alien monster fish that stares straight up through its own skull to spy prey. The Barrel Eye. But how does it do this? By being one of the weirdest creatures alive, even for deep sea animals. And that's saying something. But looking strange is just a fortunate side effect of being an empty-headed harbinger of jellyfish death from below here in Life, Death, and Taxonomy. Welcome back to Life, Death, and Taxonomy. It's your 30 minutes of interesting animal info. I'm Joe. And I'm Carlos. Thank you to Cassie for the creation of our theme song. To hear more of Cassie's music, search Cassie Michelle on YouTube. And today we're talking about a mysterious, organic, deep-diving submarine. But more on that later. Indeed, more on that later. It's difficult to say, but what are we talking about today? It's a fish... It has a name, right? What is the... It's like the... I forgot to write it down. The bull... Barrel eye. Barrel eye fish. But that yeah. describes a lot of different species that are related to this fish. Fish. So do you have any other names that we could call it? Yes, yes. Uh, so it's also called the spook fish. It's a spook fish. Okay. Uh, but we're going to call it here Chrome Dome. Uh, Mac and Mike which I'll explain later, and espionogen. <laughs> I like that. Because it's a spook. It's a CIA spook. So espionogen. Espionage. Not, I get, get it. it. I get it. That's good. Yeah, thanks. This is definitely a Pokemon, espionogen. It's a, it's a psychic water type. Hey, sure. I was going to say psychic water or ghost water. <laughs> uh, yeah, oh no, ghost water is good too. Um... But, uh, yeah, so let's go through the taxonomy, and then I'll explain why I called it Mac and Mike. Okay. Why I'm going to call it Mac and Mike for probably the remainder of this show. Okie dokie. Let's, let's, go, let's go with the kingdom. You know it. You love it. You're in it. The kingdom Animalia. The phylum? It's Chordata. This isn't mm-hmm. a bony fish. It's a spined f- Wait, no. Bony fish it are is. spined. And it is a bony fish because the class is Actinoptergy. Mm-hmm. And the order is Argentiniformes. Looks like Argentina. It looks it's, on, just it's only fish that are in the exact shape of the country of Argentina. <laughs> Form That's of Argentina. Okay. <laughs> the family is Here we go. Apistoproctiidae. No, Proctidae. Yeah, Apistoproctidae. Those are these are barrel eyes, the entire family. Then the genus is Macropina. Macropina? Mm-hmm. Macropina? And then the species Cropina? is Microstoma. Macropina, Microstoma. So it's big... Mac and Mike. Okay. <laughs> Mac and Mike. So tell me what it's big something, small something. Are you okay. going to find that out at some point? All right. So since we're in the business of naming things, it would be time for my favorite part of the show, uh, which is critter groups. Um, but we're doing a fish again. And so I think you know what the answer is. Uh, and so I had to come up with a creative solution to the fact that you know what the uh, term of venery is for fish. And so what we're going to do is uh, is a, a little side game that we'll do whenever we run into this problem called 
nitty-gritty nomenclature. Okay. Uh, so we're going to find out exactly what does macropinna microstoma mean. Now I'll give you four, uh, four guesses. Four, not four guesses, but I'll give you four options. Um, and you can choose from them. So macropinna microstoma. Does it mean A, big fin, tiny barrel? B, large eyes, little spear. C, great thorn, small mouth. Or D, giant head, lesser lips. So basically, I mean, it's big and small. Macro and micro makes sense. So you're trying to determine what pinna and stoma mean. Is it fin and barrel, eyes and spear, thorn and mouth, or head and lips? Head is, what language is this? This is Latin, right? Uh, this is Greek. This is Greek. Dang it, I should have continued to study Greek. Uh, stoma sounds like eyes to me, but that's not an option. Correct. What was the last one? Uh, giant head, lesser lips. That rings true just by looking at it. Tell me the first one again. Big fin, tiny barrel. No. I'm going with D. Final answer. Incorrect. No! The correct answer was great thorn, small mouth. Pinna is thorn, and stoma is mouth. Oh, so I was right about mouth. Or you said lips for the last one. Yeah. Uh, but... Which is odd because I, when I first looked at it, I was I remi- was reminded of pinnipeds, which are like seals, and I don't see where thorns fit in with their, uh, just who they are, as animals. But hey, that's what that's what it means. So uh, yeah, let us know what you think about nitty gritty nomenclature because we have to have a response to um, the fact that we do revisit uh, large animal groups often. And so things like uh, snakes and snails and fish and turtles and frogs that we, is a well that we return to, um, uh, we're going to need a, a, a separate game for this. I do like this. This is do way you? better than critter groups to me because it's, I can like tap into the, to the words that I've heard in the, in the Latin and the Greek you, that you, I've You can use some etymology. Yeah. Some latent etymology. Yes. It's not just random. Okay. Are we ready for the description? Yeah. I don't think anybody else is, though. Okay. So, it's important to approach survival in the open sea with a clear head. Mm -hmm. And this fish does that literally. Uh, This open-minded fish has a shiny dome uh, that you can just go ahead and look right inside of. However, it's been really difficult for people to get a good look at this oceanic organism. The first time we even got a live pick of this uh, was t- 2004. All the other sightings or pictures of it were of dead organisms. That look much different when they're dead. Yeah. Which we'll talk about they later. They do. Uh, this ghostly guppy has a classic fish shape with ra- with a rounded head and broad almost bass-like fins. Its scaly body is dark brown, as best as I can tell, but its bulbous head is clear, with an array of internal colors coming through, particularly blues and greens. Uh, 
So it's a very alien looking thing. It looks looks fake. It looks like <laughs> it was built. It looks like somebody taped a fish tank to its the top of its head. Yeah. Like a small empty fish tank. But with some uh some like environmental things in it. The fins almost remind me more of a a freshwater fish for some reason. It's like those broad leaf, like leaf shaped fins and th- those play an important I'll... role which we'll talk about in a bit. Right. Uh but until then, let's let's if you just look at a picture of this fish, it could be, you know, the size of a school bus or microscopic. Who knows? Uh, let's Probably not either. It is not either. We'll find out specifically, though. Welcome to the Beloved Measure Up segment, the official listener's favorite part of the show. The part of the show when we present the animal size and dimensions in relatable terms through a quiz that's fun for the whole family. It's also part of the show that's introduced by you when you send an audio of yourself saying, singing, or chittering the words measure up into ldtaxonomy at gmail.com. We don't have a new measure up intro this week, so... We get to hear from an animal, and Carlos has to guess what it is. It's the Hooray. show inside the show inside the show. <laughs> it's the game inside the game inside the show. Yeah. I, nothing I like more than when starting a game than playing another game. <laughs> uh, let's, let's, without further ado, the listener's favorite part of the show. Ooh, she almost said it. <laughs> Would you like to hear that again? Was it loud and clear? Uh, yeah, it was, I, I think I got a good idea. Okay. Is that a common crow? B, a ring-billed gull? C, a chin-strap penguin? Or D, a beluga whale? I'm going to go with common crow, final answer. Common crow, final answer. That is incorrect. Oh, I thought you were, I thought you were subverting expectations here. No, that is a beluga whale. That is a beluga. Can you play that again? I really want to hear that. Sure. Hi, everyone. My name is Carrie, and I'm a beluga whale trainer here at Mystic. <laughs> she would have totally, totally spoiled it. Wow. That sounds exactly like a crow flying overhead. <laughs> what if I had played that sound? <laughs> yeah, I would have had even... The the it looks it sounds exactly like a crow though. It does in the beginning. It definitely does. Okay. Huh. Wow, got me. Um, let's talk about length. They're about ten centimeters or four inches. How many microstoma go into the length of a of Clear Lake in California? The length. Hmm. Yeah, it's a cigar shaped le- lake. So here's oh. here's a hint. Clear Lake is in L.A. County, California. It was once much bigger, but volcanic eruptions are thought to have separated it from the Blue Lakes to the north. Uh, I don't know. I guess I'll say it's, um, I'll say five miles. Maybe it's small. No, no one would know it if it's, uh, fine. Well, okay, we'll, 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 I'll say ten miles. That seems like a pretty big lake. It's not, like, massive, like Okeechobee or the Great Lakes, but... That's probably why I haven't heard of it. So 10 miles. I'm going to say 158,000. 158,000 fish, final answer? Yes. Well, call Mr. Marshall Mathers because this lake is 8 miles wide. 
but it's 19 miles long or 31 kilometers. So the correct answer is 300,960 fish. I must have done something wrong because I, w- I would have been pretty close. It's 19 miles long. Oh, 19 miles. Yeah, eight, so eight what, miles wide. Eight miles wide. Oh, okay, yeah, that's why I got it. I got it wrong. <laughs> uh, eight miles. Let's talk diving depth. They're pretty deep diving fish. They go down eight 800 meters or 12,600 feet on the low end or on the that's high not, end. That you, Do you mean 1,200 meters isn't 12,000? Uh, did I say 12? I meant... 2,600 feet. Okay. 2,600. How many fathoms is that? (laughs) Uh, I think at one point in my life I had looked up what a fathom was. This is... And I had um, probably forgot it. I've I've decided to like start throwing in these nautical terms. No, these little things that kind of dangle right in front of you. Like they're actually something you could maybe know. Like I like a league. I almost did league. I don't know what that is either. Um, don't look it I'll up. Say fathom I'll use is, it again later. I'm gonna say fathom is 200 feet, and it's so that would uh, put it at 10. 10 fathoms. 10 fathoms. Would you like a hint first? I feel like you deserve a hint. Sure, but I. It's not gonna change my answer. A fathom is an old English unit of measurement that was widely used in nautical measurement. Yeah. Okay, 10. I'm still going to go with 10. 10 fathoms yes. equals the diving depth of a... Oh, wait, wait, wait. You said 2,600? Sorry. Uh, not to, I was thinking 2,000. Um, the answer that I'm going to say is 13. 13. That's the final answer. Okay. Yes. The correct answer was 433.3 fathoms. Oh, fathoms are small. A fathom is six feet. Okay. Yes, fathoms are tiny boys. A regular swimming pool is about six is about a fathom on the deep end. Got it. I will actually remember the swimming pool thing going forward. Okay, well. I thought it was like the amount of rope you could make as an ancient sailor. <laughs> it might be something like that. Uh a length of rope. Um you ready to hear some fast facts before we get into the major fact? I am. I think I am. So this mystery fish has baffled researchers since it was first discovered in 1939, but again, live specimens weren't photographed until 2004, and early drawings uh, failed to capture the fish's transparent nature. Plus, when the fish is brought up from its normal depths, the the dome is destroyed, giving observers an inaccurate view of its true nature. Kind of like the uh, the globfish, or the blobfish. Yeah, like we think it looks like this horrifying, uh, like slot monster, but it actually looks like a regular fish. It does. Just at the yeah, a blobfish looks like a regular fish when it's under the pressure that it's under at the bottom of the ocean, like in thousands of feet below the surface. But then when you bring it up to the surface, all it just expands. It looks like a cartoon old man. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It looks like a Muppet. <laughs> so wh- whenever you see a picture of a blobfish that looks hilariously disgusting and weird, you're looking at a dead blobfish that should, that's that's uh, 
expanded outward, but really it 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 doesn't look like a like a totally normal fish, but it has it doesn't look that ridiculous. Oh yeah. In its natural habitat. Interesting. I want to do the blobfish one day, so let's uh we'll we'll put a pin in that. A micro a, a macro pin in that. It's such an angry old man. <laughs> okay. Let's continue. Sort of like great white sharks, the barrel eye likes to hunt from below. However, unlike the great white, the barrel eye remains motionless, peering upward, looking for silhouettes, darkening the light that's struggling to reach the 2,000-foot depths. This clear barrel eye has been observed to prey on small fish and jellyfish. They're also known to steal, or thought to steal, food from Siphonophores, which are a group of cnidarians. Siphonophores. Siphonophores. But that's all I got. You got anything special? I feel like that's it. All right. Now, he doesn't have that clear dome for nothing. And in fact, it's time for the major fact, which I'm going to call Dome is Where the Eyes Are. (laughs) So most fish have eyes on the sides of their heads. Uh, They also tend to be on the outside of their bodies, or at least have a part of the eye that is facing the outside of their bodies. But Mac and Mike doesn't care about ocular conventions. And I asked you to specifically avoid talking about the eyes in the description because things are going to get wild here. Uh, So Mac and Mike's classic transparent head that we mentioned has two prominent objects inside. They are largish bright green orbs nestled in like sort of a short eye stalk they kind of look like if you've ever been to magic kingdom um in tomorrowland there's a giant like stone ball that's being supported by water pressure that you can you can push around it it, kind of look like that um or, if you have not been to Magic Kingdom, imagine what a sci-fi uh, planetary or galactic map would look like. Or maybe an a- alien incubation pods. Um, That's definitely al- what they a- Tiny little Neos are in there. Yes, uh, just waiting to be unplugged from the Matrix. But here's the rub. They're located where the brain would normally be in a regular fish. Uh, and they're facing directly upward. So most most barrel eye fish have uh, eyes that look like weird tubes facing upward, but they're they're still on the outside of the body. And since the head is almost completely transparent on Mac and Mike, it can look straight through its own head for prey above it. So its eyes are actually located completely sealed inside of its this this dome. Um, and it, they're just locked upward. So it's not looking forward. It's looking straight up through the top of its head. Um, and as you said, it, it remains relatively motionless, waiting for uh, the shadow of prey to fall over it. But if the eyes are facing upward, then how does it know where it's going once it actually sees prey? Because if as soon as it starts swimming towards the prey, it's going to start looking in some the crazy upwards direction. Um, well, the answer to that is that its eyes usually face upward, but they can also face forward. If you uh, decide to look up a picture of this Pokemon, you're going to see that it has what looks like eyes on the front of its face. You know, where eyes are supposed to be 
But those are just the soulless holes for the eyes to pop into. Those are portholes so that the fish can lock into kill mode. Yeah. I mean, as far as we know, I couldn't find a single video of it actually, like, switching. But it's saying that, like, these eye stalks can kind of rotate 75 degrees forward, like binoculars flipping downward. Um, And lock into these these eye the, the these eye holes that are in the front of the the fish so at, at first you'll when you look at this fish it looks like a like a robot because like oh it's got these two little eyes it's got this little mouth and then it has what looks like like capacitors <laughs> inside of its head um and then a b- big brain behind it but really, those capacitors are its eyes, and those eyes flip forward into what you thought were the eyes, which are just these gaping holes. And so once it's locked into those holes, then it can see where it's going and chase its prey and eat it. Although it doesn't really have to chase its prey because its prey is mostly like jellyfish. So scientists think that the green, because these are bright green eyes, um, how the, this green filter helps filter out any sunlight that may reach them because remember they're 2600 feet below the surface there's very little if any sunlight that reaches down there so it's almost pitch black they look up and so they don't want any of the sunlight to reach them so that any light that they do see is from bioluminescent cnidarians jellyfish and things of that nature that they want to eat so and when you look at pictures of these guys it looks like mac and mike is is bioluminescent himself um but that's just the uh the underwater rov the little submersible that they have um that the lights going through the transparent part of the um of the uh of mac and mike's head so it's not it doesn't actually glow um on its own yeah, and, if you look at uh, any pictures, they glow like the Dickens, and I was like, I'm not reading anything about their bio own bi- their own bioluminescence, so I I'm thinking that's just reflection. True, yeah, and the Dickens do glow quite a bit. So, um, but it's not they they don't actually, uh, they don't have bioluminescence, um, but their prey does. So, they're always on the lookout for that. I could not find what the fluid inside of their transparent head is made of and i also couldn't find what the the shell of this transparent head is made of it's not made of scales because um this this film attaches from the scales on their back to the scales underneath their chin or above above sorry above their their um their mouth uh, so it's this it's this organic uh, durable yet flexible and completely transparent film with this fluid inside and um, that's all I guess we know about it because <laughs> whenever there was only one that they were able to bring up to the surface alive and it only lived for a few hours and they were mostly just um, uh, observing its ability to switch its eyes from facing straight up through the top of its head to uh, facing forward Hmm. Which for forward-facing eyes is also unique, pretty unique for a fish, because usually fish have eyes on either side of their head, um, but these lock into like predator mode. We don't know if they have um, telescopic vision like we do. So what we're 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 learning more about this this unusual 
uh, battery fish. <laughs> it looks like it's got batteries in it. Yeah, this is like a prime example of adaptation gone awry. You know, it's like everything else is like, we're fish. We we got kind of the same thing going on. And they're just like, eyes inside a glass dome. Why? <laughs> it's like, I only look up, so... Why Why have anything else? Instead of just turning my body to look up, I'm going to do this elaborate yeah, but th- thing. But then it can kind of swim laterally while always looking up. Um, uh, what I want to know is how, how do they hunt by looking for silhouettes if they don't see light? Well, so like I said, that was the th- this is a theory scientists have put forth that the green in their eyes... Um, makes it so that they don't see sunlight. They're not looking for silhouettes. They're looking for bioluminescent light from their prey. Oh, I see. Um, but the other prevailing theory is that they look for silhouettes against the sunlight. The thing is, there isn't a lot of sunlight that makes it down there. Right. So the, the silhouette thing is not that great. But they, they, they do think that their eyes are incredibly sensitive, so they might see a lot more sunlight than we, um, than obviously we would. It's just one of those fish that are like really difficult or animals in general that are really difficult to study. So everything we know about them is generally. It's from one video. Educated guesses. No, I mean, by we, I mean humanity. Well, right. But the thing is, there's like only a couple people that are a couple scientists that are observing this animal because it costs so much money and time and effort to go down to the bottom of the ocean in the most, the most unreachable places that people can't even go and get a robotic submersible to go down there and find a four inch fish in the ocean (laughs) in the depths so you know it's it's just really 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 hard to um to find one altogether and then to observe it and then let alone like bring a, a live specimen all the way up to the surface without exploding it with a lack of pressure so it's just like, yeah, I would not, if, if I were going to choose to study an animal, it would probably not be this one, despite how cool it is. I think it looks awesome. I was listening to a podcast about a researcher that was studying flies, and they think like common fruit flies actually came from Africa, a southern country in Africa. And it's good because I have one in my room right now. So they, so they went on like a safari in the, in the, in like the savannah looking for flies. And it's just, it's funny to be in a place with like a lot of well-studied, interesting animals. (laughs) Also a place with a lot of flies. True. And then you're trying to find one particular fly. Well, it's the most common fly. It's the fruit fly. Yeah. But you're like, is that a fruit fly? Um, Nope. It's a gnat. Oh, nope. Nope. That's another gnat. Also, did you know that fruit... Oh, fruit, no, that's a tsetse fly. Fruit flies don't eat fruit. They show up whenever I throw a, a banana peel into my garbage here in my office. Because they they just love those little microbes that grow on fruit. Oh, as fruit decomposes? I guess so, yeah. Interesting. I remember doing some experiment with fruit flies in elementary school or something, and um, I didn't care enough to remember. <laughs> All righty. So, so, yeah, that was... That was uh, Macropinna Microstoma, the Mac and Mike, the Espionoggin. So for you out there in podcasting, 
take a moment to sit still, level out, and keep looking up like the barrel eye fish here in life, death, and taxonomy. Hey, LDT listeners. Thanks for listening to the end of the episode. For your loyalty, you get a shameless self-promotion from us. If you haven't already, leaving a review on your favorite podcast app can really help us grow. But telling your podcast-loving friends about us is even better. Also, don't forget to send in your measure-up intros and animal suggestions to ldtaxonomy at gmail.com. We love hearing from you. As always, thanks, most of all, for listening. Bit of a hopeful message there. <laughs>